what's going on everybody welcome back to first and gold it is tuesday september the 13th in the year 2022 i'm your host ben joined here as always by my co-host big rob and today we got a lot of stuff to get into week two is officially over with had some good football this past weekend had some really bad football this past weekend but it's gonna be an interesting one guys so Let's get into it. What do you say, buddy? Let's get going, man. I tell you what, what I was able to see this weekend, it looked like we had some good matchups. Looks like we had some big upsets. Man, I'm just excited to talk about it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you what, it was It was a good one from Friday night all the way through late Saturday evening. If you stayed up for that Mississippi State game, very late Saturday evening. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't make it. The beverages were... Too good. It was getting to me a little bit. It was a little bit of a rough day after that Carolina game. So, <laughs> I hear that. It was an early night. I hear you there, hundred percent, man. I was up at the lake, spending uh, spending the evening with my father-in-law and brother-in-law. It was their birthdays this past weekend. So happy birthday, Jack! Happy birthday, Billy! But uh, yeah, man, got to watch a little bit of that Carolina game. Got to catch up on some football here over the last couple of days. But yeah, what a good weekend it was. Absolutely, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, I really don't know where to start, honestly. I mean, I guess we can start with Friday night with Louisville and Central Florida. Oh, yeah. Got that score. It uh, came down to the wire there. Central Florida ended up going down. Louisville finally got the first win of the season. Well, I say finally. It's only week two, but 38-35 over those Golden Knights. Yes, sir. It was uh, – I tell you, it was a close game, real good uh, score. I mean, just a fun one to watch, really, man. And it looks like Louisville's starting to get back on track a little bit. Yeah, um, they didn't look bad. They still look like they're missing that spark from last year. Mm-hmm. Things were looking so positive towards the end of the season last year. Of course, the bowl game didn't go so well, but uh, right. It's like they lost that momentum and they just never really got it back. I kind of wonder if it isn't part of this new offensive coordinator that came in in the offseason, changed some things around, uh, really got got everybody out of out of whack, out of filter. Don't you know? Not really sure about what to do right now. Yeah, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what it is. It just. They definitely seem to have lost their mojo, so to speak. And Central Florida, I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. Central Florida, that's not a bad football team. Anytime you play a team coached by Gus Malzahn, you know you're going to play a very good coach team and they're going to come ready to play ball. And they put up a hell of a game Friday night. But I'll be honest, the way that quarterback played for Central Florida Friday night, I mean, you would think the spread would be a lot worse. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. I mean, it was it was a crazy, crazy game. It most certainly was. Well, uh, let's roll through the rest of these ACC scores, why don't we? Yeah, let's take a look at it. You want me to do the honors? Yeah, go right ahead. Roll through them, and then we'll go back, and we'll pick out the ones that stand out to us. Perfect. All right, so we got Duke winning 31-23 to over Northwestern. North Carolina over Georgia State, 35-28. Southern Miss at Miami. Miami wins, 30-7. Wake Forest over Vanderbilt, 45-25. And welcome back, Sam Hartman. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Charleston Southern loses to NC State, 55-3. Uh, looks like we got Furman at Clemson. Uh, Clemson wins 35 to 12. <coughs> Tennessee. You good over there, brother? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you got uh, Tennessee knocking off Pitt 34 to 27. Illinois knocks off Virginia 24 to 3. Uh-uh-uh. That's not pretty. Not at all. Not at all. And the surprise game for me of the week, Syracuse destroys UConn 48-14. to Western Carolina 
loses to Georgia Tech, 30-17. to And then you have Boston College at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech getting their first win of the season, 27-10. Yeah, did you say 30-17 or 35-17 on that Western Carolina? Oh, I'm sorry, 35-17. Can't read my own writing. Pitiful. <laughs> yeah, it was a good Saturday night in the ACC for sure. We're going to review a couple of these games real quick, and then uh, we'll roll over and jump into the SEC like we like to do. But um, the first one I got to talk about, man, from Saturday is how about Duke? Bo, I don't know what they've got in the water up there at Duke, but I'm telling you what, man, this is a physical team. They come to play every single down and they're not they're not taking prisoners they are going to they're going to physically dominate you and do whatever they can to win this ball game no you're absolutely right there man i mean dude we talked about in week 1 how they came out and they as michael co likes to call it they embraced the grind mm-hmm. that's something he's been pumping in their system since spring all summer long and last year, I mean, Duke was just a flat line team. It just it wasn't pretty. You've seen a few glimpses here and there. They had a great running back last year, great running back. But uh, besides that, there really wasn't a whole lot of positives in the program. I don't know. Last year, they were the Blue Devils, man. I mean, you just really – you can really chalk up that as an automatic win if you're playing them. You really could. But, I mean, week one, they smacked Temple around and – Guys, this score, 31-23, the score is way closer than what this game actually was. I mean, Duke, let's be honest, they moved the ball at will when they wanted to. The defense got a little conservative after they got off to a very hot start. They got a little conservative with the play calling, got conservative with defense, offense, got real conservative, but – I mean, as soon as Northwestern started closing that gap towards the end of the game, I mean, they marched right down the field, got another touchdown and a field goal. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, starting out the game, Duke had their, their foot on the throttle, man, not letting up. They scored the first three possessions they had the football. First three. I believe at one point it was 21-3, to three, and then they, it just seems like they kind of let up a little bit, and that gave Northwestern and Ryan Linsky a chance to get back in the game. And then when it really started started to matter, it just seemed like they were able to pick right back up where they left off and just, just was able to put that foot right back on the throttle. No, it really does. Like I said, I mean, they basically came out there and pretty much showed Northwestern, hey, we can make this thing as ugly as you want it to be. We can, we can back off the gas a little bit and get to the end of this thing, or if you want to try to run us down and make a game out of it, well, we can smack you around a little bit more. I mean, and what really impressed me with this Duke team, the defense looked pretty good. Quarterback looked great. Running backs looked sensational. But that offensive line, man, I mean, you've got to tip your hat to these guys because, I mean, this same offensive line two weeks ago was pushing Nebraska all over the field. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, Nebraska, Scott Frost, we all know how that's worked out so far this year. Right. But regardless of all that, Nebraska's always been known for having insane defensive lines. Mm-hmm. And the insane trenches. offensive lines. Yeah, in the trenches where it always mattered for Nebraska. Exactly. I mean, they got them corn-fed, corn-fed, <laughs> corn-fed, corn-huskers up there, man. I mean, it's always been a tough team up front. And – Northwestern pushed them around, but then this game here, I mean, if you look at it, you knew within the first two series who was going to win this game. I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, Duke's offensive line just, I mean, blew them slap off the field. Oh, I'm telling you. It was bad. I mean, when Riley Leonard dropped back to pass, he had all day to throw. And, I mean, that reflected in the stats. You look at the stats, he was 13 to 24, 240 yards. One touchdown, one interception, and the interception he threw, I mean, I'm not going to say it was a bad pick. It was more of just a great play on the defense. But you look at the rushing stats here, all right, you're running back number seven, Waters, 
10 carries, 91 yards, 9.1 yards a touch, average, two there was, touchdowns. There was one play, I believe it was in the second quarter. <laughs> I mean, there was a hellacious hole that opened up. He was able to take it to the house 40 yards, I believe. That was in the first quarter, and I know exactly what play you was talking about. I actually watched that game again earlier. I enjoyed watching it so much. But he gets the ball, the edge rusher blows in, coming at the quarterback, and you can tell it's a read option type play. Mm -hmm. Quarterback hands it off to Waters, and he makes one step to the left and then cuts it back to the right. When he cuts it back to the right, the whole offensive line has gone from horizontal to completely vertical mm-hmm. with the football field, with the defenders. I mean, the whole defensive line and even some of the second level was just completely washed off the field, just pushed over, just manhandled, and there was nothing but real estate. And it looked completely choreographed. Oh, it did. I mean, it, <laughs> it was ridiculous. I wish we was doing a YouTube video on this here. We'd get the TV on the wall and we'd have to show everybody. I yeah. mean, it was it was insane. I mean, if you're a big offensive line guy, mm-hmm. you need to watch this Duke Northwestern game oh, and see the way these guys blocked. I mean, it is – it was truly artwork out there. It was sensational. Absolutely, man. And if you're one of those that just that just likes to watch a running game, definitely, definitely watch this Waters kid. He is – he's awesome. Well, you got Water but you, I mean, really, you got a two-headed monster about it. You also got your other running back, Coleman. Yeah. Back there. 11 carries, 83 yards, average seven and a half yards a touch with a touchdown on the ground also. <laughs> I mean, two running backs averaging, one's averaging seven and a half yards a touch, the other one's averaging nine yards a touch. I mean, that tells you right there, this game's over. Yeah. But, I mean, it just, it was sensational <laughs> rushing attack. But then it's not just rushing. I mean, they covered it all the way across the board. The pass blocking was absolutely great. Jalen Calhoun had a great game, six receptions, 108 yards. Mm-hmm. Also, Pamkel had a great game, two receptions, 106 yards. I mean, the stats just – they just scored at will. Yeah. When they really want – when Duke wanted to push the issue and go down the field and put up some points on the board, they did it. Mm-hmm. And it just – it's hard for me to just wrap my head around the way this team has changed in one year. And I'm going to say it again, guys. I'm not sitting here saying they're going to go out and win the ACC championship this year. No. I'm not going to say they're going to win the division this year. Could they make a run at it? Possibly. Absolutely they could. I think they could be in the mix of this thing, and I mean – Honestly, I think if you're Duke, you're just trying to play for bowl eligibility this year. Really, a five-game season after the last couple of years, a five-game, five-win season would not be a failure. But if I know Mike Elko, he's telling these kids, man, it don't matter. We're going to take it one game at a time. It don't matter what we did last week. What matters is the week, this next week coming up. And then at the end of the day – you win what you can win, you take that and go with it. No, absolutely, man. I mean, it just it's just great seeing a team like this make a turnaround. I, I love seeing the underdog rise back up, team rise from the ashes. I'm sitting here looking at these stats. I mean, you want to talk about a balanced attack. All right. Duke's passing yards for the game was 240. Uh-huh. They had 221 rushing yards. Oh, wow. I mean, that's almost a perfect balance yeah. between the two. You get a team balance line, I mean, you got it going on. Northwestern stats, they put up 435 yards through the air. <laughs> that's, that's, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's a hell of a stat. That's still pretty good. But then you look at the rushing yards, they only had 76. Northwestern had 511 total yards in the game compared to Duke's 461. They outgained Duke. By 50 yards. But Duke averaged 7.8 yards to play. Northwestern averaged five and a half. That's time management. Exactly. I mean, Duke just... What was the time of possession for Duke versus 
Oh no, dude lost the time possession battle. Really? By about ten minutes. No kidding. But they just made it count. I mean, you look at the total number of plays ran. Duke ran 59 plays in this game on offense. Northwestern ran 94. <laughs> Duke never went for it on fourth down. Northwestern went for it six different times. Oh, wow. Converted four of them to their credit. But you just got beat. Yeah. You just got beat. That's the only way you can put it is, I mean, the first the first half of this football game, it was over. Yeah. The rest of the game, Northwestern trying to dig themselves out of a hole, and Duke had their way with them. Absolutely. I mean, hats off to them to somewhat get back in this game at one point. They're making you think, oh, man, they could – they could pull this thing off. Yeah, make it I mean, even then, Duke only won by eight points, but no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't close. No, but hats off to Duke. Hats off to Mike Elko. And something you guys got to remember: Duke is two and zero right now. This week they got a pretty easy game lined up for them. This week, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Duke can very well start this year off 3-0. Who the hell they got in week four? Let me pull up this Duke football schedule real quick while I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know who they got in week four, but they got North Carolina A&T this week. Oh, I'm about, we're about to find this out right now. <laughs> All right. They got Kansas after that. Oh. Kansas Jayhawks. So they could very well end up 4-0. Yeah. And then they're playing Virginia. That'll be a pretty good little contest right there. And then they got Georgia Tech after that. I mean, let's be honest, guys. At this point, I'm, I'm not trying to jinx them. I'm going to knock on wood for them. I don't want to screw this up on them. But, I mean, if you're a Duke fan, you got to be excited because after these first two games, I mean, realistically, you have a real opportunity to start season off for, hell, maybe even 5-0. and Potentially 6-0. and yeah. And I mean, hell, if you really want to be honest. Yeah. I mean, they could. It's just amazing how, you know, what what they're capable of doing. The schedule's just I mean, coming in line for them. You could very well say seven. Mm-hmm. You, the next. The next one, two, three. The next five games on your slate, you're tuning right now. The next five games on your slate, they're all winnable football games. Let's just be honest. They are winnable. Mm-hmm. I mean, North Carolina, I mean, what in the hell is going on with them? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gave up 28 points to Georgia State. Yeah. South Carolina Gamecocks. Off defense is not world beaters by no means. I think Arkansas exposed that a little bit. Right. Georgia State couldn't put up but 14 points on them. Right, exactly. And one thing to consider, you know, remember too, is Duke, their defense, even though they gave up a lot of yards this last game, they're no slouch. No, they're not. Their defense is no slouch at all. But that offense, man, I mean, the offense looks really good. The defense is really good. And the thing is, your head coach is Mike Elko. Yeah. Mike Elko is your head coach, man. I mean, if you were having problems with the offense starting you off, everybody could have reason to be a little worried. Like, oh, shit, well, we got defensive head coach and we got offensive struggles. So, yeah. what are we going to do about this? I mean, hell, we'll talk about it in but, a minute, but. If your defense is catching a little bit of hell, you got Mike Elko. It's like, hey, Mike, um, you want to straighten this out for us real quick? Oh, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say, I mean, we're going to talk about this here in a minute with this game, but Mike Elko comes from Texas A&M as their defensive coordinator. We see what kind of struggles they're having after he's left. Yeah. Absolutely so. With that being said, guys, 
I think we're gonna cover it, dude. That's that's gonna do it. I mean, that being said, you got a lot to be excited about. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. The the fire is strong within Duke, and I'm just excited to see where they can go from here. Hell yeah. Alright, well that's the podcast, guys. We'll see you later. Go Blue Devils. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just bullshit. I'm just bullcrapping. <laughs> but uh, anyways, we're on to the next one. Southern Miss, Miami. 37. Normally you'd say that's a good win. Mm-hmm. That was the ugliest 30 to 7 victory I think I've ever seen. You know, it it was it was something else, man. I mean an offensive line should not give up that many sacks in a game, especially when your head coach is a fork line. No, they was definitely having an issue of pressure. I don't know if it was a from a schematic standpoint, Southern Miss was doing something to really throw them off balance, screw them, or what. But when you're the number fifteen team in the nation, you can't let that ranking go to your head. You gotta go out there and represent that ranking week in and week out. And you can't be winning ten to seven going into halftime against Southern Miss. Right. You can't be scoring only three offensive touchdowns against Southern Miss and let the kicker put up the other nine points. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. They, they got a very balanced attack. They had a pretty good game. But they didn't wake up till the second half. I want to see Miami do good. I want to see this thing come to life. I want to see it take form. Right. I want to see it was, I want to see it happen, but at the same time, it kind of scares the hell out of me. Let's be honest. Miami... When they get hot, it can be scary. But you had a BS opponent last week. You started off slow in that one. Week two, a little bit better competition, but still, this ain't no real good football team. Right. Started off extremely slow in that one. You're not going to have bullcrap opponents every week. If you're going to not play till the third quarter – I'm just saying, Clemson, some of these teams, North Carolina, you better wake up in that first quarter. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, a lot of teams out there are second-quarter teams. But when you're facing a team that can catch fire just right out the gate like a Duke, you know, it's it's scary. Look what happened. Like, I mean, just going back to that Northwestern game. Duke started off 21-0, and it was hard to come back from that. And if you're Miami, you're going to have to – you're going to have to get something going, man. You're going to have to at least get your defense up there to where they can make the stops to, to allow your offense to get going. No, absolutely, man. You just – Tyler Van Dyke, you got to get off to a lot faster start because he started off really slow the other day, which I mean – when you get in your ass, knocking dirt every other play, I mean, it, it gets tough. Right. They were eventually able to wear down the competition, so I will say that Crystal Ball's resilient offensive attack you know, very much grinded out approach, just wear you down with the run game and then sneak some passes in there. Mm-hmm. It does wear a team down. I mean, that's basically what happened this game here in the second half. It showed. Right. Mike but, Miller can't just give it time. It'll work. That's right. But you just you can't be coming out slow each week. I'm excited for what we have this coming weekend with Miami. I'm, but at the same time, I don't know what the hell to expect with this game coming up on us. I mean, you got Texas A&M this week, and we all know what happened this past weekend with them. We're going to discuss that in a minute. But... I mean... What would have happened this past weekend if Miami Miami was playing Appalachian State? Do you think they would have fared any better? I doubt it. I really doubt it. Appalachian State is not a team that you can sleepwalk through. You you can't give them an inch because they'll take five miles. Why the hell do people play pay Appalachian State <laughs> money to come to their field? Why? Who know. in their right mind is going to pay this damn team? I don't know, man. Leave that man alone. <laughs> That is a that is a grown ass little man, right? Leave him alone. Yeah, South Carolina did it. We fell into the trap. 
I can think of a lot of other dumber things we can spend money on besides that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, damn that. Absolutely, man. I mean, they are the biggest trap game that you'll ever play. Yeah. Absolutely. One more thing about this uh, Miami Southern Miss game, too. I almost let it slip my mind. I just remembered also. One thing that I'm still a little disappointed with is this is a home game for Miami. Mm-hmm. There was not very much noise at all. No. No, there wasn't. Guys, if you're going to want to be a top 25 program, I don't care if you play in the NFL stadium. I, I honestly don't care. I mean, Pittsburgh doesn't have a problem with it. No. Miami, a couple years ago, under Mark Rick, they had the bleachers shaking. Mm-hmm. Hell, they're drawing bigger crowds than the Dolphins. Yeah. And it just it, it disturbs you a little bit because you got a new coach. You want to see the fans pack in there and show support. And when, you're, when your field is quieter than an Eastern Carolina or Coastal Carolina or anywhere like that, it's a little disheartening. And it also affects recruiting as well. Why would a recruit want to come into your field to play home games for you when they're going to, say, a South Carolina or a Alabama or a Virginia Tech and the field is rocking? Well, I mean, m- money. Well, put money <laughs> aside, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just talking about just purity of the sport. I don't know about you, but I think I would want that atmosphere of the inner Sandman blaring, the crowd jumping, you know, <coughs> everything rocking. I mean, that's that's just my two cents, though. No, I, I agree 300% with you. It just, I don't know. So, Miami, I'm happy for you. It's cool to see you up in the top 15 in the rankings, but at the same time, you're making me question mm-hmm. you being there, and you're making me more nervous than you are excited. Yeah. So, I don't know. Our next episode, we talk about something we want to dive in a little bit more on Miami and try to get a little bit better feel for them. But yeah, talk a little bit of keys to the game and see what what they are able to do. That's right. Before we go to our next game, there's something I want to touch on in the ACC. It's a difference in two games. Mm-hmm. Virginia, Illinois. <laughs> Virginia gets stomped. Three to twenty-four. Yeah. You put up three points against uh what are they? Big twelve? Big ten. Big ten. Three points against a Big Ten defense. I mean, this ain't Ohio State. This ain't hell this ain't even Purdue. No. This is Illinois. Ain't yep. Penn State. And you manage to get three points against them. With one of the best quarterbacks in the entire nation, Brendan Armstrong, mm-hmm. on your team. Your head coach is who a lot of people thought was one of the brightest offensive minds in college football. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, this Virginia offense last year, under the previous staff, was one of the best offenses in college football, period. Oh, absolutely. Loses 3-24. to 24. But... Their offensive coordinator at a new school, Syracuse, who had one of the most abysmal offenses a year ago. <laughs> they had a good rushing offense, but besides that rushing attack, it was absolutely abysmal. Yep. The OC goes to Syracuse, and they hang 48 on UConn over the weekend, which don't get me wrong, UConn's not quite the level opponent as Illinois. The hell, they didn't have no problem hanging a bunch of points on Louisville last week either. That's true. <clears throat> so, it's only week two, guys, but I got to be honest. If I'm over there in Whoville, I'm not too happy right now. No, I'm, I'm extremely nervous about things that are going on. You know, especially, like you said, looking at Syracuse, looking at the offensive coordinator that left. And you wonder why... Why didn't they try to? Why didn't they try to keep him? Well, it makes you wonder why didn't they try to keep him and all that stuff. But it also makes you wonder, like, damn, 
Was it our team or was it the coordinator? Was it the regime? And this is why I want to say something, guys. Because coaching and staff does not get near the credit it deserves. No. People can say things sometimes. People can say, well, a team did something two years ago with a different staff. Oh, that doesn't matter. That was just luck. They can say different things like that. But here's a perfect example of how much coaching and staff really does matter. Best offense in college, one of the best offenses in college football last year. Not looking good this year. Not at all. Same coordinator goes to a different school that was one of the worst offenses last year, and they're hanging 40-plus points. Yep. Looking like one of the best offenses. And, I mean, they're, they're doing it weekly. And I'm, I'm going to throw it out right now. Syracuse, you can't say it's a transfer portal. They didn't bring in no bunch of transfers and all this craziness. I mean, this is a lot of the same guys that was there last year. Your starting quarterback that was there last year was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Look what he's doing now. Yeah. Look at Brandon Armstrong this year. Yeah. One of the best in the country. Not so good right now. And, I mean, we said in the spring game, looked like a whole different player on the field. Did not look yep. wrong. Yep. So, for anybody that says coaching and staff doesn't matter, it's all the players – Probably needs to follow a different sport besides football. Yeah. Maybe baseball. <laughs> but anyways, on to the last game of the ACC. All right. Boston College at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech took it 27-10. to I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly missed Enter Sandman at Lane Stadium. Yes, sir. Man, when the walk-in, they were playing, I think, Thunderstruck? No, no, no. When they were um, walking from the field across the – when they walking from practice field, Yeah. No, they always play Cut You Down. Sooner or later, God's going to cut you down. Right. Johnny Cash. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. And then whenever they got there and it cut out for a minute, the fans just instantly started Let's jumping. Let's go Hokies. Let's go Hokies. The fans instantly started jumping. And I mean, it was just—it was just a wave. Let's go, Hokies! Let's go, Hokies! And then, dun 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 dun. dun. Listen, that is by far the best intro in the ACC. Possibly even possibly number one in all of college football. Absolutely, because I don't know about you, Ben, but that made me want to put my head through a wall. Oh, I'm telling you, man. It, how can you not be fired up? I mean, <laughs> and I'll say it once again, Lane Stadium, that has got to be one of the most, absolute most underrated stadiums in the country. You ain't lying. I mean, you couldn't even hear the commentators. No. I couldn't make out a damn thing the commentators are saying. The whole game. And I'm smiling ear to ear because I'm like, damn it. That stadium <laughs> right there. After a loss to Old Dominion in week one, a very painful loss on the road. I honestly was concerned. I was like, man, what's Lane Stadium going to look like? This fan base, new coach, losing to a small team like that, they could very easily dip out quick. And, I mean, the Hokie faithful showed up and showed out. In a big way. And it it showed out there on the field. Yeah. I mean, they – that was ass-kicking. It really was. The Virginia Tech defense just harassed them. Oh, what the hell's his last name? Oh, I can't think of his damn name. <laughs> the quarterback from Boston College. Oh, oh you're talking about um, goodness gracious, Jerkovic. Jerkovic. Yep. Phil Jerkovic. Yep. 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 <laughs> I mean, Bo, he just – he couldn't get his head in the game. I mean, the whole game he was – he had defenders in his face. I don't know how many times he got up off that ground. 
was, but he was on the ground more than he was standing. I knew that. I guarantee he was hearing those fans in his sleep that night. I mean, how could you? It was so loud that you couldn't even have to get off any audibles. In his sleep, hell, he's probably still having a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, it was so loud you, you couldn't even have to get off any audibles out there. I mean, the first drive of the game, interception. Mm-hmm. I mean, Virginia Tech, the defense. I don't care what nobody says. This Virginia Tech defense, elite. Absolutely. It is a Brent Pride defense, without a doubt. It is outstanding. Absolutely. And one thing that I do have to hand to the Virginia Tech fans, man, is just the passion that they have for the team. I mean, losing to a team like Old Dominion, you'd think you would have some people out there that were – you know, just upset, frustrated. You know, I'm going to quit watching these guys. Blah, blah, blah. You didn't see any of that on the board. You didn't see anything like that. Just the fact that everybody just came in for this game. Man, my hat's off to you, Virginia Tech fans. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's got to be a great fan base period because a lot of other colleges, man, you look at the fan boards and you look at different things to do with the school and podcasts and other things to do with other colleges and I mean they'll sit there and they'll just tear a team apart they really will I mean let's just let's just call it like it is I mean you got some fan bases they can lose to a good team and they'll sit there and oh the season's over we're screwed oh this player's trash that player's trash Yep. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And where you look at the Hokie fan pages after that loss to Old Dominion, you've seen a couple negative comments here and there. But every time you've seen a couple negative comments here and there, you'd see, I mean, 50-plus comments to the Lowell's on it. Hey, you don't want to be a part of this team? Get your ass out of here. We ain't got time for Fairweather fans. Hit the transfer portal. Yeah. Go find you another team to get on the bandwagon. We don't need you. Yep. I mean, the support was unreal for a team that lost Old Dominion week one. And the positivity from the coaching staff, the players, everybody. I mean, it just it really, really shows at the core what Virginia Tech's all about. Absolutely, man. And I'm not going to lie to you. My younger days, I really never really was much of a Virginia Tech fan, man, but I can't help but buy into this program. I, they're doing great things. They've done great things. There's just more to come. I mean, it's just it's a contagious atmosphere, man. I mean, I was I was never a huge Virginia Tech follower either. Then I started watching them a little bit here and there, and then I went up and I visited the town of Blacksburg one night. Had a buddy who lived up there in Floyd, Virginia. He's, I'm telling you, this town called Blacksburg. I swear to hell, Blacksburg at. <laughs> but we go there and I see him saying, Oh, yeah, that's, that's Lane Stadium. He's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, You gotta go to this bar right here. A little place called Tots, top of the stairs. And I mean, just the atmosphere, I mean, both the people there love football. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I thought those people in South Carolina love football. No, they, they love football <laughs> up there. In the stadium, I mean, we're down a good little distance from the stadium, mm-hmm. down the street. And, I mean, you can literally feel the cannons going off. Every time they score a touchdown, you can hear the crowd go wild. And, I mean, you could feel it mm-hmm. in the building down the road. And, I mean, just everybody in there was just good people, positive people. Wasn't no BS, no, stupid, no stupidity, just a great atmosphere. Right. And ever since then, I couldn't help it. Yep. Love Virginia Tech now. Yep. Bought in. Absolutely, man. One thing, though. One thing I got to say about Virginia Tech, though. Gonna have to step it up a little bit with the offense. Yeah. It, it looked good. The rushing game the other night looked great. Rushing offense looked great. The offensive line looked do a lot better than it did in week one. Mm-hmm. But at some point, we're going to have to either – Trust Brant Wells and try to sling this ball around the field and push the ball downfield a little bit. Or you're going to have to pull the trigger and go with Jason Brown. Mm-hmm. 
Because the other night, the play calling to me, from what I got from it, that came off very much to me as a team that did not trust their quarterback. Right. They were going to just run the ball, do bare minimum with the quarterback, and just use him more as a game manager than a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, when you're winning, like they did the other night, I mean, you don't necessarily have to, but after week one, it would have been nice to see him sling the ball around a little bit, get some confidence built back up, get a little bit of momentum. Because now you're going into week three, and we still don't know exactly what we have there. Right. I mean – after the game that Grant Wells had last week, it's easy to to really write him off. And it, you know his confidence has, has been shaken, so he needs a game that they can try to build it back up. Now, is Boston College that game? I don't know. 27-10, you think you could probably, probably let the leash off a little bit, but... I don't know. You're going to have to do something. Yeah, you're going to have to do something. I mean, you got Walford this week, so maybe this week you can take training wheels back off. Like, hey, go out there, have some fun. Mm-hmm. Get your confidence back right. Get your mind right. Because in two weeks, you got West Virginia coming into Lane Stadium. Oh. And West Virginia's a beatable team. We've seen Pittsburgh do it. They're beatable, but it ain't a promise that you're going to beat them either. And the thing is, I mean, that offense they got, they have JT Davis, they have a great offense. Mm-hmm. So you can't count for your defense to hold them to one touchdown. And if anything we saw against that pick game, they do have a good running team. They can run the ball pretty well, but, I mean, they can – They can sling it. They can sling that ball downfield. Now, the offensive line is questionable, so maybe your defense can turn up the pressure and all that. But what I'm getting at is your offense is going to pull its part. Yeah. Because after West Virginia, you got North Carolina, and that is a very, very much high-scoring offense over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But that being said, let's switch on over to the SEC side of things. Let's do it. Roll through them scores there, Big Rob. All right. All right. All right. So, South Carolina and Arkansas. Arkansas wins 44-10. Boo. You got Bama taking out Texas 20-19 in a very, very, very close game. I did not see that coming. No. I called it, though. You did. You did. Respect. Missouri at Kansas. Kansas beats Missouri 40-12. to Wow. Good job, Eli. Kansas State. Excuse me, not Kansas. Wake Forest takes out Vanderbilt 45-25. App State defeats Texas A&M. 17-14. Who saw that coming? It's Appalachian State. It doesn't even surprise me. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Damn that team. As already discussed, Tennessee takes up Pitt 34-27. Georgia massacres Sanford 33-0. And probably the game of the week, Kentucky defeats Florida 26-16. Central Arkansas at Ole Miss. Ole Miss wins 59-3. Slaughter. Southern uh, Southern at LSU, 65-17. They wouldn't want to put the brakes on this one at all. Who the hell is Southern? I mean, it's not Southern College, not Southern University, just... Just Southern. So what high school team did they pay to boost Brian Kelly's head up a little bit? <laughs> it's hard to say. They they just they had to hand him a cupcake of some kind, so they found the biggest one they could. I guess I guarantee you he's going to the press conference this week looking for that damn lady. <laughs> Where the hell is she at? Yeah, for real. After the joke, man, that that was great last week. And then finally, Mississippi State defeats Arizona thirty nine seventeen in a late 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 game. Yes, sir. The Will Rogers show continues. <laughs> Good week of football, guys. Um, Texas A&M losing Appalachian State. I'll be honest. I don't ever count out Appalachian State anymore. I'm be quite frank. Excuse my language, but Appalachian State scares the shit out of me. Yeah. I don't want to see no team I pull for play, though. That is the upset monster. 
Very much so. I mean, heck, looking at the North Carolina game from earlier on, I told you App State was going to give them fits, and I expected App State to pull that upset. I was wrong, thankfully. But, man, was that a game. No, absolutely, man. I mean, it just – there's a team about who's more hungry. Mm-hmm. App State wanted that win. Mm-hmm. And Texas A&M, I just I don't understand what's going on there. Just two weeks in a row coming out just flat and the offense just absolutely struggling. Oh yeah. But we're not going to dive too much into that A&M game. See, we'll probably touch on some more in tomorrow night's podcast or Thursday night's where we get back in the studio. But which game you want to hit on first, man? We got three of them picked out. Which one you want? Let's go ahead and uh, do the heartbreaker, the Arkansas South Carolina game. Oh, boy. I'm going to be honest. As much as you hate seeing it, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm happy for Sam Pittman. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys, they played their ass off. Mm-hmm. But if you're a South Carolina fan, I came out of that game pissed off. Yeah, and I wasn't pissed off saying that our team's not good. I was pissed off because I saw a team that was definitely good enough to win that game. And at numerous points in that game, I said, damn, they're going to mess around and win this thing. They're going to come back and win it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just – it was a game of missed opportunities. It just – it wasn't your day. That's the only way I can put it. But when you talk from a talent standpoint and everything else, I mean, all in all, this was a lot closer matchup. That people give credit for. Oh, absolutely. You know what lost South Carolina this game? Turnovers. Turnovers and just drop passes. Big yeah. plays. Missed opportunities. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd had a screen pass thrown at him. Had his head turned the wrong way. Missed Multiple the ball. Multiple times. Yeah, but there was one. I mean, the offensive line was out there, and, I mean, there was nothing but real estate to the damn end zone. Right. It would have been every bit of probably 50, 60-yard play for a touchdown. And he just had his head turned the wrong way and missed the ball. Just boink. Mm-hmm. Missed it. A Marion Brown. Twice out there in open field. Beat the coverage wide open, striding down the field. Dime falls in. Well, one of them was absolute dime. Went right through his hands. The second one... It might have been overthrown a hair, but could have dove for it. And I think he just misjudged the distance and pulled up and ball landed right in front of him. Yeah, Ben Jim Brooks, he could have caught that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pissed off as a South Carolina fan because I feel like we did not get beat by a superior team. We deserved to lose that game. Yes, we did the way we played. But that was a winnable football. That was one that we let get away. Yep. And if people can say whatever they want, South Carolina is not near as far away. This game tells me South Carolina is not near as far away. Is what everybody thinks they are. Is what everybody thinks they are and what some folks try to make out. I mean, you could talk bad about the defense. You could talk bad about all these people, but – Realistically, you had some missed tackles. You had some arm tackles. You had a great running back. And let's just be honest, there's something about Arkansas having a running back wearing a number five jersey, mm-hmm. having big games against South Carolina. Mm-hmm. There's a damn curse or something. It's the curse of Darren McFadden. We'll, we'll just call it that. Absolutely. But all in all, I mean, oh, shit, that's what my bar stole over. <laughs> All in all, South Carolina, I mean, they got out to a huge lead. They fell in a hole to start with South Carolina. Did. Arkansas got out to a huge lead to start the game off. And numerous times throughout this game, South Carolina reeled them back in and got it down to a one-possession game. Mm-hmm. But blown coverages cost you points. Yep. Arm tackles cost you points. Turnovers. Cost you points. Missed opportunities on offense. Cost you points. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not a talent thing. 
No, it's not. And the offensive line of South Carolina? Kudos to y'all. Yeah, say what you want to. South Carolina's offensive line played a hell of a game. Week one was not pretty, but week two, they matched up with Arkansas very well. Absolutely. They matched up very well. And, I mean, the simple thing, guys, is if you know football, this is how it is. If you got an empty backfield, they blitz one man, that linebacker, number 42, all right? You ain't got five guys on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. You ain't got no running back back there to help you. You're in an empty backfield. If they send six, there's going to be somebody coming free. Yep. That's on the quarterback. Yep. That's your job as a quarterback to either roll out the pocket, extend the play, or take off running and get a first down. Yep. But there's going to be a man coming. Five men can't block six. It's as simple as that. Exactly. But the offensive line did very well. I thought the defensive line played fairly well, especially mm-hmm. considering the injuries they had. Yeah. I mean, numerous times the running back was actually getting hit two, three yards in the backfield, but he was breaking tackles and then peeling off another eight to ten yards on a run play. Mm-hmm. For a big majority of the game in the first half, K.J. Jefferson got nothing. Mm-hmm. Until they started to wear the team down towards the end of the game. But even then, I mean, the South Carolina team, they never quit. They fought all the way through. And it's just missed opportunities. This is a 14-point loss. And, I mean, if you want to be perfectly honest about that safety bull crap, really this is a 12-point loss to a team that's now ranked number 10 in the nation. Right. I'm not sitting here taking away no, what do you want to call it, uh, You're not sugarcoating it. No, I'm not going to say I'm not sugarcoating it. I'm not going to take a moral victory from this or anything like that. A loss is a loss. But at the same time, you're an unranked team and you're 12 points away from beating number 10 in the country. Mm -hmm. And you had a sloppy game. Yeah. These are things you can fix. These are things you can correct, and it's little things. It's not big things. I mean, you've seen the difference in the offensive line from week one to week two. Yep. You work on a little bit of tackling. Hey, I mean, when's the last time you've seen a South Carolina team have that sloppy of a game tackling? Much champion. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, all in all, guys, it was a rough game. But my personal takeaway is don't panic. I actually think you're in pretty good shape mm-hmm. in South Carolina. I think you're still going to have some pretty significant games this year to be able to win and compete in. Don't count the season out. This is just game two. Carolina fans, you're 1-1 right now. And you have a very talented football team. You really do. You've got a good quarterback. You've got some good running backs. Just got to get them going, man. Don't, don't freak out. It's going to happen. You know, especially this coming week, you're going to play Georgia. Who's to say what can happen there? Yeah. But, I mean, if you just look through some of these games that were played this week, I mean, Kentucky-Florida, that's a very winnable matchup when we play Kentucky or Florida. So, I mean, guys, just, just chin up. These coaches know what they're going to, what they're doing. Just let them do the job, man. That's exactly right. All right, well, on to the next game. How about an Alabama-Texas game? Man, oh, man. You want my honest opinion on this game? Let her rip. Alabama should have lost this game. They should have. If Texas's quarterback did not go down, I'll be honest with you, I think Texas wins this thing. There was a safety that should have been called that would have gave Texas the win. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of freaking penalties, excuse my language, a lot of penalties on Texas that should have been called, a lot of no calls on Alabama that should have been called. Yeah. Yeah, it was very – it was very much a questionable game. Yeah. And I hate to be that way. I'm not going to take – I'm not going to blame the refs for the football game. Because, I mean, at the same time, if you're a football team, put yourself in a position where the refs don't control the game. True. Don't put yourself in that position to start with. But, 
This is an unranked Texas team. Yeah. Playing number one in the nation, losing by one point. Is Texas that good or is Alabama that bad? I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I'm be honest. I, th- I feel like Alabama got out physical. Alabama got, they got pushed around. Alabama got out uh, out Alabama. They really did. They was able to come away with a win, but it doesn't feel like a win. No. It feels like a loss, really. I mean, one point. I know it's a victory. It goes on the books as a win. But, I mean, week two, you found a chink in Alabama's armor. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's... It's got a lot of questions, man. It's really got me questioning a lot of things. Am I saying Alabama's going to fall off? No. No, absolutely not. But it makes me very, very, very interested to see what happens when Alabama and Arkansas play. Alabama, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi State? Exactly. Exactly. It's got me very interested. Hell, if you want to go for it, Texas A&M. I'm not going that far yet because <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on down there. I mean, nobody knows. But I just – I really don't know what all to say about this game, honestly. I don't either, man. I mean, you have to give kudos to Bryce Young on this game because he really did play a decent game. He kept a minute. And he put together the drive at the end. Yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, he, he's a very talented quarterback and, you know, shows why he did win the Heisman last year. Let's be honest there. As far as your running game goes, as far as your offensive line goes, as far as your defense goes, that's all question mark. Yeah. I mean, the defense ain't bad. You only gave up 19 points, but at the same time, look at Texas. Mm-hmm. This is a team that didn't even make a bowl game last year. This is a team that the rest of the ACC was hoping that you would just lay the smack down on because they're going to be little brother coming in in a couple of years. You mean the SEC? What I say? ACC. SEC, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Texas, I mean, I, this makes me excited for Texas coming oh, yeah. into the SEC. It's got me excited for them. Now, Oklahoma, I mean, I don't, I don't know who really I really don't care one way or the other. <laughs> this is very interesting for me. Absolutely. That being said, let's move on to our game of the week. Game of the week. Kentucky and Florida. Florida went from unranked to number 12 in the nation. With one win. Over Utah. Highly overrated team. It pissed me off, man. Yeah. It pissed me off because I ain't – guys, if you listen to our last episode, I called this game wrong. I thought Florida was going to win it. Mm-hmm. But in my defense, at the time when we called this, Florida was still unranked. You go from unranked to number 12 in the nation, I mean, that's got to go to your head a little bit. Right. And also, they just got outcoached. They got outplayed. They just got beat. I didn't see it going this way. I saw Kentucky win, and I thought it would be a closer game than what it was. I called it 34-30. But still, man, I mean, this Kentucky team, this Florida team, it was just really a good game all the way around, really. It was. Turnovers absolutely killed Florida. Oh, my goodness. And it's got a – Put a lot of question marks around Anthony Richardson. I mean, he played great week one. And, I mean, this kind of goes back to last year. We've only seen small sample sizes of them. Mm-hmm. But they were all good. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at the games he played, and it's like, well, was the competition really that good? Right. Because in this game here, I mean, what they basically did in this game is said, all right, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with your arm. Yep. We're taking your feet out of this yep. point blank period. 
And when they made him try to actually read through progressions and play as a pocket passer, he got exposed. My takeaway from this game is Kentucky probably – Kentucky has the second-best defense in the SEC. They really do. I mean, the linebackers, man, the, the sack that Richardson took just on a straight-up blitz through the middle. Ugly. Ugly. But they wouldn't give Richardson much time to get set to throw the ball either. I mean, he would have to throw it off his back foot, which caused either underthrows or overthrows. Caused a couple of interceptions. I mean, just all in all, this defense is what won Kentucky the game. The Kentucky defense won the game for sure. But also, man, you got to give Will Levis credit. Oh, yeah. Will Levis played his ass off. And what you everybody has to remember also is Kentucky did this without arguably – the number one or number two running back in the SEC. Yeah. You did this missing your key piece, your key mm-hmm. ingredient. Mm-hmm. But, man. On the road, in the swamp, at that. Yeah. But, man, that freshman, Dane Key, the wide receiver. Looks good. He's legit. That kid is legit. But also <laughs> – I had to I had to laugh the whole time watching this Kentucky game. They rotated three tight ends, looked a ton like what Georgia does, but each one of them was getting to positive yards. <coughs> I mean, it was just it was great to watch. No punt intended with it being Kentucky, but Kentucky just went out and they played good old fashioned. Bluegrass football. Mm-hmm. They really did. Mm-hmm. Played physical. We're going to get in your face, do something about it. Yep. Football. Yep. And they won. And I mean, to give Mark Stoops credit, I mean, that's what he has turned this program into to the point where Kentucky used to be a game where everybody thought they could win. It's to the point now where we still want to think that, but they just keep proving the wrong over and over again. And it's time for everybody to just start taking Kentucky serious. I mean, it's time for Kentucky, and I hate to say it, but it's time for Kentucky to get the respect that they deserve. It is. They've earned it. The only thing that I'm curious about at this point is can Kentucky keep this up throughout the season without having that two or three games a year? Letdown. Letdowns they've had like the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Because if they can play every game like they played this one and get their running back back in the mix, they could very well be a team to match up with Georgia. Yeah. And make make it a hell of a game. I was just about to say that. I'd say Tennessee, but I just – I still got a little bit of questions about Tennessee here and there. Tennessee looks real good. But – like South Carolina, I think Tennessee's a little bit better than South Carolina at the moment, but a little further along. Mm-hmm. But they're still not where they need to be yet. They're not at that level yet. I will say, I think Tennessee has the better offense, but I think Kentucky's probably got the better defense, in my best opinion. Just, just from watching the last two games. Oh, absolutely. Kentucky's got a better defense than Tennessee's defense. But the question is, how would Kentucky's defense and Tennessee's offense match up together? Yeah. It'd be very interesting. It'd be, how would Tennessee's defense and Kentucky's offense match up? Yeah. Especially, that's going to be a hell of a game to watch. Yeah, especially once they get Rodriguez back. Yeah. Yes. Mm-mm-mm. But all that being said, man, you got anything else you want to hit on? No, not really, man. Not really. I think we pretty much touched on it all tonight. Sounds good. Well, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Like always, hit that share button. Subscribe, like, tell your friends, tell your grandparents, tell your uncle, whoever. Mm-hmm. But give us your feedback. Tune in next time. And till then, keep those drinks cold and let's keep those chains moving. Thank you.